Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. By the way, if you haven't yet, uh, I do want to tell you again about the Church Center app. I just pulled it up. Uh, TJ and the team, they've been working hard this past week and past couple weeks trying to get this thing revamped so it's a lot more user-friendly. If you've not downloaded it yet, you can download it from uh, the Apple iTunes Store, uh, or if you're still uh, living in the dark ages and you have an Android, you can. We're praying for you, uh, but you can download it from Google Play. Uh, I'm just kidding, uh, but uh, you can check them out there. And uh, there's tons of ways to get connected, find more information. If you've got prayer, uh, something that happens in the middle of the week and you need prayer for it, you can actually hit the prayer button and it'll give you a, a place where you can type in what's going on. Uh, and, uh, and it'll come right to us. We can be praying for you with what you're going through. Same thing with watch. And then also, lastly, I think at the bottom, it says sermon notes. If you tap on that, it'll redirect you uh, maybe through a couple clicks, and you'll be able to see all the scripture that we're uh, preaching through today, uh, as well as in the next couple weeks to come. And also, if you get into a point where you're like later in the week, we're like, ah, I can't remember what that scripture was, you can still click on it there, and it'll show you uh, for a reference. And so it really is a fantastic tool. But as we're uh, <clears throat> as we're continuing this series, as we're starting the series off talking about church uh, 101 uh, and talking about these foundational elements, uh, I remember back to uh, when Eric and I first started Coastline Church. And when we started, I said we, we got together and we were just like, "What do we want? What do we believe? What are the things that 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 we think are a foundation that we would build this church off of?" And after through lots of prayer and fasting and spending time talking about it with a team and getting together. Uh, we came up with uh, three, uh, three key words, three things that these are the foundational items, they're our, our core values, where you'll see this in almost every experience, any type of worship environment that we have here at Coastline, from kids' ministry to here on Sunday to the sunrise service to even when we do worship out on the beach. The three things are connect, grow, and Go. Three elements I believe that our church should have. One is connection. The first one is I believe that church, when you come to church, there should be a time to connect with Christ. I think it's time where we should connect with one another. The Bible is very clear on both of these things. The second, uh, the second uh, core value is grow. We can look at anything in the world right now, and if it's healthy, healthy things grow. And so I believe that for us spiritually, uh, for our spiritual health, one, one of the things that we should be striving to do is grow spiritually. Uh, I don't think that uh, we should get to a point where we think spiritually, okay, I've made it, I've arrived, I'm a Christian. I think even as a pastor today, God is continuing to charge me to grow spiritually. And the last core value is, is go. And it's a charge that as, as we hear Jesus tell his disciples to go into all the world, he tells them to take action with their faith. And I, my prayer and my hope is that every time we get up here and we have uh, a Sunday morning service, anytime we do a Bible study, anytime we do a small group, anytime the middle schoolers go away and they do their study, that there is action that can be taken throughout the week, the next week, where they can put their faith, where we can put our faith into action, we can go. 
So we're going to talk about these things in depth over the next few weeks, uh, along with a handful of other things. But specifically today, I want to talk about the direction and the purpose and who church is for. A few years ago, or not a few years ago, a few months ago, uh, a buddy of mine, he actually used to be in uh, my youth ministry uh, way back in the day. Now he's a young man and he's doing well. He, he said, hey, will you come with me and let's, let's go together. I want to get my captain's license. And so he asked me if I would do it with him. I said, sure, man, sounds like an adventure. So we went, and we went through the schooling. One of the parts in the schooling of, of going to sea school is this thing where you've got to figure out how to make your way using a nautical map. It's called chart plotting. And so they busted out the, the compass thingies and the, the rulers and the pencils, and me as a guy with giant banana fingers, like, I don't know. These are tough things to use for me. But one of the things I learned is as you plot courses, and this is the same thing in life, as you plot a course, if you say this is the direction that I'm supposed to go, if you come off of that course even a couple degrees and let it go for too long, you will be off course by miles. And if you let it go further than that, you'll be off course by hundreds of miles. And so I'm reminded that as the church, specifically sometimes, I know some of you today, you're like, Brian, I've been a Christian for, for longer than you've been alive. And that's great, man. I commend you for it. But sometimes we got to make sure that we're not continuing down a course that we're not supposed to go down. It's good to look back and see these foundational things. And so specifically today, I want to start out in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 42. You can find this in the Church Center app under notes, or if you go to the Bible app, uh, you can check that out, and they'll be there under the, the live events page. Or you can just watch it on the big screen, which is probably what most of you guys are going to do, and that's cool. Um, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, gives us a fantastic outline of what the church should look like. This is the beginning stages of the church. This is after Jesus has gone back to heaven, and this is as the disciples are starting their ministry, as they're gathering people together, they're saying, this is what church looks like. It says this, it says, all the believers were devoted, or all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. That's the first thing it says. It says that when you do church, it's important for you to look in to see what Jesus has taught these people. These guys, they didn't have the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all that stuff. To talk. They, they literally said, let me tell you what Jesus taught me. And as they taught, as they taught what Jesus had taught them, the people learning devoted themselves. They spent time uh, thinking about it and studying it. It's the same reason why we get up here, I get up here every Sunday morning, and I read from the Bible, and I try to teach or try to, try to help you uh, understand something that maybe God's telling me, some things that Jesus has told me. It's because this is a part of what we do, church. Because as we do this, as we feed ourselves spiritually, our spirit continues to grow. It continues to strengthen. We get tools that will help us throughout life, through the next week and weeks to come. So I think this is an important part of doing church. The second part, uh, it says uh, they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching, and it says then, and to fellowship, right? We did some fellowship last week, did some fellowship just a few minutes ago. I think many people, they come into church, and they think church is about hearing a message, hearing some music, and then going back to Monday. And I think if you do that in church, you are missing a huge part of what church should be. Because in this life, this adventure that God's called us to, we're not called to do it by ourselves. I, I think it's impossible for us to do it by ourselves. 
I think if you try to do this life by yourself, it's a great way to, to lead to stress and worry and anxiety, to have emotional breakdowns. These are things, this is, these are things that, uh, that, that are not healthy for us because it's not intended for, we're, we have not been intended, made with intention to live life and do life alone. We're supposed to do life with one another. And so as we spiritually grow, we should be growing in relationship with the people around us. One of these weeks here in the next couple of weeks, we're going to start talking about small groups and our small groups are going to launch. Some of the most fantastic things I've seen happen out of small groups, people being discipled from not even knowing what the Bible is to leading their own small group, people being baptized for the very first time. I heard about, uh, uh, this was over a year ago, but I heard about people that uh, were sick at home with COVID. And I remember asking their small group leaders, like, what can we do to help them? They're like, uh, don't worry about it. Our small group, we've already taken care of it. We send them some food. We're praying for them. I'll let you know what happens. I'm going to tell you, that, that, that is what the church is supposed to look like. We're supposed to be doing life with one another. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals. I'm a big fun, fan of sharing in meals. I don't know about you guys. Big fan of sharing in meals. Um, one of these days, we'll all have to go to the taco shack. We'll have to wait for three hours, but we'll share in some meals together. I think that's a smart thing to do. Specifically, here it says, including the Lord's Supper. That means they got together, and they remembered what Jesus did. They remembered the miracle that Jesus, for, for no reason that he deserved, went to the cross and died, but was no longer dead and is alive and well. They spent time remembering that that is something that happened. And lastly, it says, and they devote themselves to prayer. Not only is this something I believe prayer is a thing that we should do individually, we should continue to connect with Christ on a daily basis. I also think it's something we should be doing with one another. And so for the next couple weeks, we're going to be talking about this, this basic outline of what the early church looked like. As we continue on, it keeps giving us some more in-depth stuff. It says, it says, as they did these things, a deep, in verse 43, it says, a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those that were in need. It says that they worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. Hold on a second, real quick. It says they met, they worshiped together at the temple each day. That means they did church every day. So I'll see you guys, I'll see you guys here tomorrow morning, Monday. Here we go. That's kind of that's kind of crazy, right? They did it every day. Can I be honest? I know some people that are like, dude, I haven't been to church in a minute. Sorry about that. I was like, dude, a minute. That was like four months ago. I haven't seen you in a while. He's like, oh, we just been we've been busy. If you're feeling conviction that's not what I'm trying to do, I was the same way, okay? You're in, the, you're in the same boat. Glad to have you back at church today. They met daily in, I lost my place, in the temple. They met in homes, and they had the Lord's Supper with one another. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. This was a big deal because, like, this wasn't like, hey, I'm making a casserole, everyone come over. Like, this isn't a part of time in the world where, like, you have got to, like, Getting enough food to be able to survive was a big deal. These, a meal was a, a highly valued thing. It says they did all this while praising God and enjoying the
the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being, being saved. Saved, that's a, that's a key word I want you to hold on to here for later on. This is, this is the beginning of Acts in which it's talked about this is what the church looked like when it started. This is the freshest that it would be after being birthed out, after Jesus started it. He said, this is, this is when, this is, this is how and when my church will start. And we're going to get into that in a minute. But this is what it looked like when it began in its infant stage. If we were to judge church based off of this, we're a long way from it. But for the next couple of weeks, let's look and see what the foundational things are, the things that we need to make sure that we're doing as a church here in New Smyrna. So I'm going to read from the book of Matthew, chapter 16. And this is when Jesus starts the church. This is the very beginning of the church. This is, this is before we read in Acts. This is when Jesus is alive and well. This is before he goes to the cross. This happens. In Matthew, chapter 16, verse 13, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples... Who do people say that the Son of Man is? When he says Son of Man, he's referring to himself. He's saying, who do people say that I am? Now, many times when we read this, we skip over, we skip over the parts. We skip over this part. But there's some great information in it. Because one of the things that you need to understand is where he's at. He says that he came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. Now, he was in Judea before this. He moved north into Caesarea Philippi. But for if, if someone were to start out a major religious movement in that time, if you were of Jewish descent, if you had grown up in the Jewish faith and you were going to start a major faith-based organization or whatever, you were going to announce something, this is not the place you would have done it. You would have gone down south quite a bit to the city of Jerusalem and launched it there. But here Jesus is, he's in Caesarea Philippi, which if you were to knew about Caesarea Philippi, it is a rough, rough neighborhood. It's rougher than Osteen. I'm just kidding, Osteen's not really that bad. I don't even know, we don't even have real rough neighborhoods around here, do we? I don't think so. Daytona Beach is rougher than Daytona Beach. The land, Deltona, is Deltona rough? I don't know. Mims, I got some people from Mims. Yeah, Mims is rough. We're getting a head shake, yes. So this is like going to Mims, but worse. If you did research on this, you'd see that there were some temples that, they were not the Lord's temples in Caesarea Philippi. They were for other gods. And some of the things that they did in these temples, some of the things that, that had to be done before you could get into these temples, the people that lived there, the way that they worshiped, are not things that I would want to talk about. They're not things that they're, they're uh, explicitly evil. And these are the people that are living in the city where Jesus is going to. And so when he asked the disciples where he asked, he says, what are these people saying that I am? He's communicating to them. He's like, these people, these people are also important. He goes on and uh, it says, well, the, they start to reply. It says, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, 
Others say Jeremiah and one of the other pro- or one of the other prophets. And then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? This is also important because the people that they list off, these are pretty uh, intense spiritual leaders in their own time. But primarily, these were the leaders that they connected with and they challenged the government officials, the people that were the kings of the time, the people that, that were the, the people that were in charge. But Jesus says, yeah, but who do, who do you say that I am? Who do the people say that I am? And the guy to respond is one of the disciples named Peter. Peter's one of my favorite because he's like, he's kind of like the redheaded stepchild, like kind of hot-tempered, doesn't really care what anybody thinks about him, going to say whatever he wants. Raise your hand if you know someone like that. Don't elbow the person next to you. I understand what that's like. Peter, he jumps in, and I, I can't help but think that, that even as he's saying it, the rest of the disciples are like, oh, man, here he goes again. He says, no. He says, he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, now, if you were at any point had studied the Jewish faith, to say this was a huge deal, was very off script. But Peter says from the heart what he sees. He says, you are our savior. You are the son of God. As we read on, it says, Jesus replied, said, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn it from any human being. The reason why this is a big deal is because as this is starting, As Jesus goes on to the next verse and says this, he says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. This is the beginning phrase. This is is what Jesus does to launch the church into existence. And he doesn't do it in Jerusalem, which is the Mecca of faith-centered, of the faith, uh, of the Jewish faith. He doesn't do it there. He doesn't do it in Judea, where he had done men, uh, much ministry. He does it near Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, which was a tough place. It was not a good part of town. I think he does it there specifically to communicate this. That when it comes to being part of the church... When it comes to the purpose of the church and who the church is supposed to reach, it's not about just reaching religious folks. I believe if you get anything out of today, you should hear this. The church is for everyone. The church should be for everyone. If Jesus died for everyone, then the church should be for them. Doesn't mean it doesn't matter the color of the skin or the way that they vote in the voting booth or or the creed or or any of that stuff. That the church church should be for the people that Jesus died for. And so, if you're here today and at some point you you feel like, man, I'm not I shouldn't be in church or I'm not I'm not good enough to be in church, or if you ever have that thing where you think, man, the pastor's calling me out because he knows what I did last night. I'm gonna tell you, I felt the same thing. Because I've messed up in my life. I'm a mess. You're a mess. The people out that are not in church right now, they're a mess. 
one thing that we have in common is Jesus died for all of us and wants to help us deal with our mess. And we should be able to all come together to help each other with it and to continue to direct ourselves to the way that he wants us to go. And so I want to challenge you, I want to challenge you with this. How does that adjust your thought process on what the church is supposed to be? See, I think in my mind, in my past, I experienced church was a place in which you put on a suit and a tie and you get out of the van and you smile big and you act like everything is is right in your life and and you act like your family has it together and, and you, you put on a good face and you come and worship and then you go back home to the way things are. In my past, it was, I don't feel good enough. I'm just going to feel bad if I go to church, so I'm not going to go to church. When the truth of the matter is, the church is for everyone, and everyone should be invited in. I've talked to people at the sunrise service before, and, and people joke with me sometimes as, once they hear I'm a pastor. Also, this is, a side, this is a side note. It's totally different. This is ADHD kicking in or whatever. It's funny to me when, like, I'm talking to people, and they're talking like a normal person, and sometimes they're, like, letting some ex- expletives go, and then they're like, what do you do for a living? And then, like, I'm like, I'm a pastor. And they're like, uh, insert foot into mouth, right? They're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, it hurt me or something that you cussed, you know? I don't think that's how it works. When I see that, I just see... Man, that's how people are. People are broken. People are hurting. None of us have it all together. There's one guy that did have it all together, and they killed him because of it. But because they did that, he's alive and well today. And because of his sacrifice, the things that I think keep me from being able to go to church or be good enough to have a relationship with him, I don't have to deal with anymore. I get experience freedom, I experience peace liberty from sin and shame because at some point I realize the church is for everybody so I challenge you with this when it comes to this next week and the weeks to come man there might be somebody in your life that needs to find Jesus maybe the only way they find him is through an invitation from you but it doesn't start with you just inviting them to church it starts with the church going out to them so today, I, this is easy for me to understand because I'm a pastor, but we are a church that meets in a high school. We don't even have our own, like, own building. I don't view this church as this group of people that meet here on a Sunday. I know that this church is going out into the world here this next week. And so I want to challenge you to understand the church is for everyone. And as you leave here today, you're supposed to be part of, part of the church. You're supposed to love on the people around you. Jesus said, they will know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. So go take the church to people that feel like they they can't come into church. Let's help communicate that it really is for everyone. Today, if you're struggling with feelings of being unworthy or you're ashamed of your past, 
or there's things that are keeping you from, man, I, I've, I've been where you are, where I felt like I could not pray because God know what I did and I'm ashamed of what I did and I just don't want to have anything to do with that. I'm going to tell you, Jesus wants nothing more than for you to reconnect with him, for you to surrender the things you've been holding on to, to him, and let him come in and help heal you and help you along the way with what you're going through. It doesn't matter if you were cussing at each other on the way in this morning. It doesn't matter if you were drunk last night or the past five nights. It doesn't matter the things that you remember from way back or from last week. Jesus loves you. He died for you. And he wants to have a relationship with you. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here today, you've never given your life to Christ and you want to, I want to challenge you to pray this prayer with me, to repeat it after me. If you pray this prayer before or if you're a follower of Christ, I want you to recite it with me as well. Maybe this is a time in which you reconnect or you, uh, you, you reproclaim. But as we read this all together, let's connect our hearts to him. Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner. And I need you as a savior. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again from the grave. You paid the price for my sins. And right now I declare you as Lord come into my life take over in Jesus name I pray amen and amen if you pray that prayer uh, later on today uh, later on this morning I'd love to talk to you uh, if there's something I can do to be helping you with then I want to help you this church being a part of the church it's not about a destination. It's about a direction. The direction is following him. So I want to help you. I need you to help me as we continue this direction together. Last thing I want to do this morning before we leave, uh, we're going to worship one uh, with one last song. Um, but today on your way in, um, you probably picked up uh, one of these communion packets. And if you're a believer in Christ today as part of the church, I want us to come together and break the bread and remember what Jesus did for you and I. Remember the price that was paid. In the last hours of his life as he got his disciples together, it says that they went into the upper room during the Passover feast, the time of celebration, and remember what God had done and getting them through what they had to go through in Egypt. So that Jesus took some bread and he, and he broke it and he passed it around. And he told him, he said, this is my body which will be broken for you. And they all partook of the bread. You can partake with it now.
It says at the end of the meal, he took, took a cup of wine. He held it up and he said, this is my blood, which will be spilt for you. He says, do this in remembrance of me. And, and I think that as they took it, as he told him to take it, he knew what was going to happen. He knew what was going to happen in the church. I believe he was excited for what was to come. To see as they connected with one another, as they helped one another, as they went on to change the world, no matter what government tried to stop them. He says, when you do this, remember me. I'm, I'm here with you. So today, as a foundational moment, we remember what Jesus has done, the price that he paid, and because of it, we're able to experience freedom. We take that. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for all that you've done in us, for all that you continue to do. I pray that you continue to charge us and change us and challenge us along the way. I pray that you give us the courage as we step forth into this next week uh, that we would continue to be the church, that we would love the people around us. And I pray that as we do that, that us, the church, would change the world that you've placed us in. I thank you for the opportunity. I thank you for what you're doing. Have your way above all. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.